Hello, America, and to all of our listeners all over the world. You're listening to yet another exciting edition of Let's Weekend. I'm your host, my friend, Perkins. Joining me, as always, is Chris Logie. Say hi to the good people, Chris. Hello. Yeah, so uh, this week's episode, it is for March the 4th, 2023. That's right, folks. It is officially March. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, but uh, over here, spring came kind of early. <laughs> um. So earlier this week, I I walked walked outside and noticed, wow, there's a lot of oddly yellow patches all over the concrete. And uh, it turns out it's because, I guess you could say, oh, it's climate change, or it's just because it's Georgia. Uh, all the trees have started a lot. Well, not all the trees, but some of the trees have started sprouting, of course, their yellow tree seed all over the place, um, all over my car, all over the driveway, all over the roof, all over just about everything, Um, which of course means it's only going to get worse because, you know, it's spring has only just sprung and there's still more trees that need to pollinate. So fun, fun, fun for me. Um, But anyway, so what have we got this week? Well, we got a bunch of uh, idiot politicians behaving badly. Some of them signing stupid laws, some of them getting caught with awful shit in their possession, and I'm not talking about drugs, as you're going to find out, unfortunately. Um, We also have some news about some new stuff that's been found in Egypt and an old pyramid, because all these years they still manage to find new stuff over there. Um, And... uh, we also got a bunch of entertainment stuff to talk about, including uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger. He's actually going to have his first TV series in his career. Yes, actually. Um, all this and more on this week's edition of Let's Weekend. So, before we do anything else, as always, we start off as is tradition with all the things we've been doing up to this point this week. And Chris, as usual, let's start with you. What have you been doing this week? Well, we're still dealing with this weird... Uh, winter slash spring weather. Yeah. Uh, where yesterday, we, I think we had like a, a rain snow mix uh, throughout most of the day, as well as winds up to 50 miles an hour. So basically, I could hear every bit of weather. And that was basically the reason I didn't go out yesterday and do anything. So I was like, nope, don't want to get soaked in that shit. Uh, luckily, today it's warmed up a little bit and got some sun. So it started drying out uh, for that. Uh, but we're still kind of going up and down constantly uh, every few days. So that's been fun there. But, yeah, I've been watching some stuff. Uh, I got around to watching We Have a Ghost on Netflix. Uh, this is one of the new movies uh, featuring David Harbour and Anthony Mackie, uh, where this family moves into a new house that is kind of surprisingly cheap. and the one of the kids uh, manages to uh, see a ghost up in the attic uh, played by David Harbour, who has kind of a, a very uh, weird looking like comb over uh, style thing going on. That is uh, just odd to see for that guy who's who has a full head of hair, but he's playing uh, this person that managed to die at some point in this house, uh, 
name. It has a bowling shirt on named Ernest. And yeah, uh, takes a video of him at one point to which the, uh, his brother and his, his dad find out about this and his dad decides to exploit this ghost, uh, posted on a YouTube channel, uh, starting to get things going viral. They, you know, run into say a medium that is popular on TV that decides to come over, uh, to the house and, you know, exploit all this stuff as you know, the dad sees this is an opportunity to make a bunch of money off of, you know, this ghost that's, you know, probably doesn't want to be, you know, a circus, you know, sideshow kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. Uh, nothing really amazing about it, but uh, it does what it does pretty well. And yeah, they, they have some good action bits and all that. Uh, so yeah, definitely worth checking out. It's not too long uh, for it. So that's been uh, a fun one to watch. I've also been watching more Naruto, uh, the original series uh, in the dub, English dub. So I am at the point where uh, the Hokage is facing Orochimaru as the uh, the Chunin exam has essentially been interrupted as the uh, the sand and sound villages have launched an attack on the hidden leaf village uh, to sort of take them down a peg, essentially, as well as Orochimaru to kill the Hokage and sort of destroy the hidden leaf village, essentially. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh whole thing I knew was going down. Uh, I don't know how much more of this I'm going to watch because I kind of mostly wanted to watch it for the the shooting exam because the, the Rockley and Gara fight is one of the best fights in all of anime. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where I am at on that. And then in that process, I decided I also wanted to get back to Shippuden. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I left off at a certain point there and have, you know, picked up where I left off. On that, and I am basically at the point where uh, the uh, the whole kages, the the kages, the five kages of the the five main nations, have essentially uh, found out that they are entering the fourth uh, great ninja war uh, that involves a let's say things coming to a head of everything that's happened up to that point in ship it in. I'm not going to really spoil anything there. Um, more so like the Naruto cause as Naruto is 20 years old at this point, uh, ship is more recent for, and a bit tougher to get through. Uh, but the, there's the, the Akatsuki, I forget what the, the Akatsuki, uh, that have been doing their whole thing. And, that's maybe not, they've reached the point where they, you know, need to take it big, essentially. But, yeah, the that's been fun to kind of get back into, especially as the characters are sort of dealing with things that have been lingering over uh, since the original show. Uh, so they're, they're doing a pretty good job of uh, characterization with a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, been enjoying that a lot. Mm. Uh, as for uh, the other thing, 
watch the first episode of the Mandalorian season three, uh, which is a setup episode. So not really a ton going on. Uh, just Mandalorian and Grogu kind of hanging out a bunch as mm-hmm. the Mandalorian is, you know, taking uh, the steps to uh, do the thing that the he needs to do. So I'm not going to really spoil anything there, but it uh, seems like uh, he's got his work cut out for him to uh, do this. So I guess we're going to have that happen here. Hopefully sooner rather than stretching this out, but we'll see. Mm. Uh, but yeah, for games, I've uh, been mostly playing Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have beaten it, technically. I've seen credits, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird because uh, me doing all the the non-mainline game uh, playlists led to me getting the uh, Theater Rhythm sort of uh, quest line that once you finish that last uh, song that throws you into credits and then unlocks a new mode in the quest mode. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a weird thing. The The theater rhythm set of songs are a lot of like medleys of stuff from the rest of the series, as well as some like remix stuff. Mm. So nothing really to... Amazing there. I, I suspected that because I knew there's a trophy for uh, seeing the credits uh, through this mode. And I was like, this seems like where it would happen uh, mm-hmm. in this specific playlist. So that ended up happening. And then I decided to, you know, finish out the, uh, start working my way through the other Final Fantasy games, the mainline ones. Uh, so right. I'm in six right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, finished one, two, three, four, five. Uh, six, I think, is where they you get a Moogle character. Uh, not sure if there's any like actual main like Moogle character in that game mm-hmm. or not. I know they're like save points in a lot of those games, uh, but I'm not sure why that is where it showed up uh, versus somewhere else. But mm-hmm. uh, either way, I've also been dipping into the mode that gets unlocked, which is Endless World mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which essentially is a uh, sort of random assortment of songs that it throws into uh, these different sort of tiers, essentially, uh, where you're presented with usually two or more songs. Sometimes it'll just throw you one song, but it's randomly chosen amongst all the ones available in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to complete one of them and their quest that is attached yeah. to it. Uh, and so... Early ones were like, oh, complete uh, this song with this character. And the other one was a similar uh, quest, but for a different uh, game's character. And both mm-hmm. of them were games I did not have unlocked at that point. So uh, I think it was four and nine I had characters I need to get to. So I just went up and unlocked four real quick. Uh, got the character and put them in the party for that. And completed it. Uh, if you fail to do the quest, uh, you have three hearts, and so you lose a heart each time you fail to do a quest. And you're just trying to get as far as possible in this. Mm. And they keep track of uh, sort of difficulty of songs as well. So if you're going on the easy difficulty, uh, mm. you know that'll be. Uh, they just put like on your high score, uh, the 
the icon for you know the, the higher songs. Like they use the the icon for the lowest difficulty use in any of the songs. So I don't I don't really oh. care about trying to be uh, difficult with that stuff. So uh, I've managed to get like eight or nine songs in so far. I think I've lost one heart one heart so far. Uh, had mm-hmm. some. Might have lost two at this point. I'm not sure, uh, but they have been too hard so far. Uh, though I'm getting to the ones that are a lot of them are labeled like ten stars, which is the highest I've seen. But I've seen eleven now, so I don't know if that's just for this mode or if they are like that in the uh, the other ones. But mm-hmm. if you're missing quest completions on these songs, you can get them this time around. And this has been where I've been throwing my uh, level 99 teams at uh, my Final Fantasy 7 99 team uh, there because you get extra XP for completing these. And so I'm still working my way through uh, where you start doing about like 110,000 XP away from the first star. I think it goes up to nine stars, maybe 10 stars. I don't know. Uh, but I'm now I'm down to about seventy thousand with that Final Fantasy Seventeen. So the grind is huge for that stuff. Uh, though I could use items to get like there's one for double XP and one for four times XP. And if you use them both, it's eight times XP. And since I have a multiplier on my XP with my Summon Stone, I get like ten point four times XP mm. out of that. Uh, so I can get a lot of XP where if I have, you know, level one characters, they can get up to like level, like in the thirties after one song uh, for that. Uh, Problem is I don't have as many of the four times as the two times. Uh, Mm. Also uh, that's just something that randomly drops in songs or it's one of the quest rewards you can get occasionally. So uh, that's where some of the, the grind is. Plus also, like a true RPG, I don't want to use up the items if I don't think I have to use them. Mm-hmm. So I have like tons of the health uh, potion stuff where it's like, oh, if you get under 50%, you you know restore this amount of health, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Where it's like, I'm not getting close to failing, so I'm not needing any of those. Uh, that kind of stuff. There's also one for... Increasing your ability to get the the cards, uh, which the cards in uh, some of them will start boosting stats for specific characters or the amount of XP you get out of killing certain enemies. So that stuff is uh, weird as well. Uh, so and also I have items that I can literally just start boosting stats for characters, and that's also the stuff I most do not want to use because I'm not sure which characters I want to. You know, having like uh, main parties type of stuff, because uh, at some point I have to, you know, get these characters out of their uh, game-specific parties and into ones built around, you know, farming items and uh, maximizing strength and attack and all that kind of stuff. So that's where the stuff the the grind starts to get uh, very wild. So that's theater rhythm. Uh, the other game I've played, Rocket League, uh, season's over, I think, this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, so I've managed to finish up the stuff I need to do for the season rewards, but I still have some more things to do in that game. 
Uh, but yeah, that's been pretty much it for me. So how about you, Brandon? Well, as for me, um, I have been playing, uh, among other things, I played Hi-Fi Rush and I finished it the other night. Um, the uh, Have you played it yet, Chris? I played a few minutes of it. Yeah, um, it's actually really good. Um, I will admit, though, that it kind of undersells its stuff at first when it starts. Um, because the starting out the the like sort of original environments are kind of bland, honestly. It's all factory stuff. Um, but it actually like gets significantly better and picks up pace very quickly after that. Um, the uh, but yeah, so I mean, honestly, like the actual story isn't terribly complicated or anything it's very um some it's very straightforward sort of saturday morning cartoonish type thing but you know the the voice acting is great and the soundtrack is really good and honestly the actual gameplay is a lot of fun um you know it's pretty much the first like rhythm action game i've encountered that actually feels like a game it, it actually feels like i I can actually keep up with the rhythm because games like, you know, like uh, Hellsinger, that game is fun, but the it's very easy to trip yourself up with the rhythm. The difference here is that literally everything in this game, including your controls, act with the rhythm. So it's much easier to sort of keep it all um, together. The problem, though, is there are certain parts later on in the game where you encounter these sort of like quick time events type things. Um, and unless you've done them like one or two twice, you, you're really not going to be able to do them the first time around. It take, especially if you've got it on like harder difficulty modes, it's much more difficult. Um, the, like one of the, like one of the things you encounter in is, uh, these uh, how can i put this okay so like one of the sort of characters you pick up towards the end of the game as sort of like one of your sidekicks that gives you like an additional ability is she has this ability to overheat like engines but the thing is in order to do this you have to put in this sort of um this sort of button it, it, not really a button combination but it's a rhythm where it's like it's like on a circle and there's a line that's spinning around and the line has to line up a specific part of the circle for it to work and you have to do that like two or three times just to get it but other than that it's a lot of fun very enjoyable um the uh other game though i've been playing because i finished that and technically there's like this other mode in it where you are trying to track down sort of the remains of this AI called Spectra, um, but you have to like go back to the old levels to track it down. Um, but other than that, um, um, I finished that. So pretty much what I've mostly been playing right now is Scarlet Nexus, which is a much more sort of, it's like an anime action RPG-ish type thing. Um, it's... It's actually not bad. Um, it I look, first admit when I first looked at this thing how it looked really generic. 
Um, it's actually not that generic at all. Well, I mean, on the surface, it's very generic, and its overall like story is at least it, at the first, it sounds kind of generic. It's based around this whole sort of like group of people in something called the OSF who are all like psionics of some kind. They all have different types of psionic powers. The ones, the characters that you play in this game all have uh, psychokinesis, which means, you know, they can pick stuff up and throw it around with their minds. Um, but like other members of it um, that you can team up in your party, you can, you know, borrow some of their things. So like one of them has electrokinesis, which, you know, means they can generate electricity. Another has... Uh, you know, has has a sclerokinesis, which means they can thicken their hide and basically make enemy um, attacks like in basically uh, make you basically make you invulnerable for invulnerable. Has um, you know the the ability to like increase velocity, so basically everything slows down to a crawl while you stay at the same speed. Um, but story wise. It's a lot more complicated than I thought it was originally. Um, basically, to start off, um, you're, they have this idea. It's like, okay, so sometime in the near future, everybody figured out a type of chemical that they could synthesize in the brain that can give people psionic powers. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's very sort of generic. But then they start to reveal, it's like, okay, but because of this, it's ended up sort of what seems to have created some sort of rip in space-time meaning these weird extra-dimensional things called others start showing up in, like, random parts of everywhere. And so by the time you're in the, you started playing the game, a bunch of these settlements have started, like, having to retreat into these essentially colonies, more or less. Um, whereas, like, you know, these walled-off city-states, more or less. Whereas the rest of the place is basically, like, abandoned and crumbling and you know nature is slowly starting to retake it and the others sort of just run wild there and the others for whatever reason have one thing that they want to do which is they want to eat people's brains like quite literally um because the for some reason they're it's linked up with the psionic stuff um and so you know your mission as a member of the osf is going out, you know, into these various settlements, trying to clear away places so that maybe, you know, these city-states can start spreading out again or they need to gather resources or stuff like that. And uh, then you start to read something happens where a character who's really close to you manages to transform into an other. And that suddenly brings into the whole thing is like, because it appears that she was, she didn't turn into an other by choice. She was forced to turn into one by what looks like another person in the OSF, which suddenly brings up this idea of, like, what are others actually, where did they actually come from, and does the government of the city-state that you're currently in actually know about this? And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually pretty fun. It's legitimately pretty fun. Um you actually have like two different characters to start off with that you play. Um, that they're, and they're your primary character for them. There's one that's a girl that's named a, a guy named Yuito and another named Kasane who's a girl. Um, and I chose Kasane to start off with because unlike Yuito, who's like a pretty standard sword guy, she actually uses her 
psionic abilities to like wield around a bunch of like small knives and daggers for attacks, which just you know instead of like using a sword, it just better and it is it is a lot more fun and because you're a psionic you know uh kinesis you know psychokinesis uh as you're attacking and in combat you can regularly like pick stuff up and whip it around and throw it at your uh care at your enemies on top of that you can also they've got like two kinds there's like one that are just standard like one to two hit type things and then there's a special type of things that can do everything from like split apart and hit uh, multiple characters or ones that are big enough that you can, that are like huge like stone slabs or like statues or whatever that you can pick up and slam them down on the enemy like once, you know, like four or five times, stuff like that. It's legitimately very fun. Um, so yeah, I've been playing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, just my normal reading, which is fun. You know, nothing really new to talk about there. And, uh, like I said at the top of the show, dealing with all of the nasty tree bukake that's everywhere. Um, you know, and as I remind people, I have avi, and if I get any of that stuff on me, I sneeze, you know, cough. My eyes will swell shut, shit like that. It's not fun. <laughs> it is not fun at all. But, um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much been everything for me. So you want to add anything before we move on, Chris? Nope. Nope. All right, then. Well, in that case, we're going to move on to everybody's favorite part of the show, Brandon's Random Factoid. And, Chris, let me ask you something. Have you ever uh, roller skated? No. You've never roller skated, never tried to? Put on roller skates and skate, or like inline skate, or anything. I've put them on and wasn't able to go anywhere, so I stopped. Yeah. Well, you're pretty much the same as me because I cannot skate for the life of me. I've tried more than a couple of times, and I just my balance just will not allow me to do it. Um, and then I just go to the arcade. Yeah. The roller rink, and now roller rinks aren't a thing anymore. Yeah, roller rinks aren't really a thing anymore. Um, but yeah, that was a thing I used to do all my childhood. A bunch, my friends, you know, they would have their parties at the roller skating rink, and I would go there, and you know, I would try to roller skate a little bit. I would put the skates on, but I would never actually go on into out onto the actual rink. I would just like sort of skitter along on the outside of the floor on the lobby, you know? <laughs> yeah, because because you know that was technically skating, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Right? Like, if you sit on a bike and you just move with your feet. Yeah. I mean, it's technically the same thing. And then eventually, you know, I would go over to the uh, to the uh, arcade because uh, usually they would uh, use the same material that they use to make the hardwood floors of the roller rinks, the same material at the arcade, so I couldn't wear the skates in the arcade. So, you get the idea, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, roller skates themselves are actually very old. Um, the oldest example of roller skates that we know of, as far as like it, that have been recorded, goes all the way back to 1743, supposedly used for a theatrical production in London. But the first patented roller skates that we know of actually came in 1760. They were invented by a guy named John Joseph Merlin. 
who was a Belgian polymath who lived in the Holy Roman Empire. He was actually kind of a neat dude, and I unfortunately we can't really get into everything about him because he he actually he was a man of many talents. Um, he was primarily a inventor, and he invented a lot of things. He was a he his trade was as a clockmaker. Um, he made and you know repaired clocks. And the thing about clockworks is that if you are knowledgeable enough with the mechanics of them, you can make a lot of neat stuff with them. So he be- kind of became famous first as creating all of these automata. So like his most famous is a is a thing called the Silver Swan, which is at the Bose Museum, and it's literally like a it's a swan, clockwork swan that's made out of silver that is sort of controlled by like a music box mechanism. And it has like, it can like move its neck around. It can preen its feathers. And underneath it, if you look closely, you can see like a bunch of tiny silver fish like flitting underneath it. Cause it's sort of like gliding on top of what is like a, a lake that's made out of crystal. Um, and it's pretty neat. I've seen footage of it. He also created a, piano he was very talented in music he was a very talented violinist but it's probably the roller skates that he's probably going to come and become famous for um and what's funny about it is even though he was just he was the inventor of them he was also as terrible at it as you and i were (laughs) um he famously sort of premiered his roller skates in the 1760s. They were two-wheeled inline skates, which if you if you've ever seen like modern inline skates, they're usually they usually like have like up to like three to five wheels on them. But his his original patented ones only had two wheels on each. And supposedly when he he decided to sort of debut his his famous invention, he went to a fancy masquerade ball, which, you know, this is like you know, this is Europe in the 1700s. You've seen, you used to know what types of things look like. Everybody's dressed up in all their, you know, their petticoats and their jackets and their gigantic dresses and everything like that. And they're all wearing those fancy looking masks and everything. And the doors fly open and he's got his violin on his shoulder and he's playing out of tune. And he comes wheeling in onto the ballroom floor and he's wheeling around. He's playing on his violin. He's got this bright red mask on him that's sticking up. Um, and unfortunately, here's the thing. Um, ballrooms, if you've ever seen the floors of them, they tend to be pretty thoroughly waxed. And, yeah, what happens when you are wearing a pair of roller skates and uh, you're on a wax floor? You start picking up speed, even though you might not mean to. And that's exactly what happened. He wheeled around the, the the room a couple of times. He couldn't control his speed. And he got to a point where the skates literally became uncontrollable. He tripped because he did not invent a stopper for these things. Yet, meaning that he basically made the rookie mistake that every first-time skater makes, which is... Try to stop it using your own force rather than, you know, turning to the side. Meaning he trips, flies through the air, and crashes right into the middle of a very large and very expensive mirror. About which in that time was about 
500 pounds value. Uh, now, the days he thousands, he ended up smashing it to bits, ended up cutting himself very badly, broke the violin that he was playing, and basically had to completely redo his whole design for what his skate should look like. <laughs> so, yeah, like this mirror, by the way, like a thousand dollars and he's just sort of lying there bleeding out <laughs> um and so yeah eventually he ended up going back to the drawing board having to sort of re-design uh, what his skates would look like and uh they're basically now closer to the type of roller skates we now look like today and all because this guy couldn't control himself and basically damn near bled out from smashing into a very large expensive mirror and uh, that is yet another installment of Brandon's Random Fact. So, with that out of the way, it's now time to move on to the, pro- the show proper. And as always, with the show proper, we start Assholes of the Week. And our first Asshole of the Week is Billy, the governor of Tennessee, who signed the very first statewide bill to ban public drag shows of any kind, period. Now, first of all, we just need to say... This is patently unconstitutional, and I actually have very little confidence that it would in any way hold up in the Supreme Court. But, um, yeah, Chris? Uh, yeah, so they, uh, Billy has signed this bill that dr- bans drag shows in public spaces uh, to try to force them to not exist, though they'll happen underground and all that. Um. They gave his signature just hours after the measure passed in the Senate Thursday afternoon. Same sitting, Lee signed a ban on gender-affirming health care for youth in the state, so really great week for them. Uh, but this announcement comes as a yearbook photo of the Republican governor in drag recently sur- uh, surfaced on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, I have to remind people, like, it, you know, when I was, you know, like, did, you know, we had Spirit Week, you know, which was the week that happened when, you know, the the football, you know, team was out and there was like, you know, they were getting ready for the home game and everything. And they would basically do like a whole week based around it. There would be pep rallies. There would be like themed days, you know, costume days. And one of them was uh, opposite sex day. So like the cheerleaders would come dressed up in, you know, suits and ties with like painted on mustaches. And the football players would come in dressed up as cheerleaders you know, with wigs and wearing cheerleader skirts and outfits and everything. And nobody said anything about it. And keep in mind, this was like right around 2004, 2005. I graduated in 2005. So, you know, this ain't, this ain't some new thing. (laughs) Like, I mean, don't you, don't you remember watching Revenge of the Nerds and like things they did during like thing was they had the, the, where they were doing like the dueling musical numbers and they had all the football players dressed up in cheerleader clothes and the cheerleaders were all dressed up in football uniforms and everything. They used to call it like powder puff or whatever. Yeah, this ain't new. <laughs> no, drag has been around for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, also, used to be a point where, you know, the, the Romans regularly wore, you know, skirts and that kind of stuff. Togas, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the same kind of stuff women would eat. Where also 
you know, homosexuality was not a thing that was stigmatized there either. Yeah, but it kind of there was a a weird social. There were weird social things involved in who was where and going. Yeah, but yeah, more or less, you're right. There wasn't as much culture wars we have to deal with. Well, yeah, no. that's because that's essentially what this is. It's a very desperate attack, a uh, culture war tactic, because uh, yeah. their ideas aren't really popular, and this is really the only card they've got left. Yeah, they, for this article, talked to Hella Skeleton, mm-hmm. a drag performer in rural mid middle Tennessee. Yeah. I uh, said here, for Billy to say, you know, that was lighthearted when I did it. That mm-hmm. is absolutely absurd when a lot of drag is extremely lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently when straight men dress up badly in drag, that's okay. But when gay and queer and trans people do it, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this the language in this bill is drawing a lot of concern because it is fairly uh, broad. Yeah, broad and very vague, which is by, by design. Yeah, drag performers are defined as male or female impersonators, mm-hmm. uh, which... You know, seems like it could impact queer Tennesseans across the board. Yep. You know, you know, people that are non-binary just wearing, you know, whatever yeah. uh, sort of clothing they want. And it's like, well, does that technically count as drag? Uh, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. The band could have oh, a chilling yeah. effect on pride festivals mm-hmm. where, you know, people dress in all sorts of wild stuff there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this law will not go into effect on until July first so yeah technically skipping a pride month yeah uh but yeah this is uh, a whole thing that's is shitty and it's gonna spread yeah like florida's working on something like this too uh july 1st and that's if this law even long <laughs> because uh something tells me the courts are already getting ready to strike yeah um because it is patently unconstitutional and it's very broad by design which Generally, is uh, the law does not like ambiguity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, it seems like the ACLU might take this up because the law calls drag shows harmful to minors, and they say that the legal definition for what qualifies as harmful to minors is very narrow in Tennessee. It only covers extreme sexual or violent content. Right. And so, yeah, that seems like something that uh, they will be looking into. Yeah. But uh, in other news of people doing shit, Alex Murdoch has been sent two life terms for the double murder of his yeah. wife and son. Yeah. Yep. This is a thing that's been all over the news, and I've not paid any attention to it. Nope, me neither. Because it's like, nope, I don't need to pay any attention to this. Uh, and also, just in case you're wondering, people on Twitter did badger O.J. Simpson into uh, talking about it because. I don't know why, because he's accessible and he's bored. Uh, to which is like, no, don't need you to say anything. So go away. Uh, but yeah, it seems like this is a case of uh, a former South Carolina lawyer, Alex Murdoch, who allegedly killed his wife and son. And it seems like he and his, I guess his family is sort of wealthy enough to have you know, gotten him or other family members out of uh, legal issues in the past to the point that it seemed like this was the thing that numerous judges were chomping at the bit to 
you know, put the hammer down on this and make sure he uh, gets the just reward that he deserves for this awful thing that he has done. And that involves uh, getting a life sentence for each murder of his wife and his son. Uh, that the six sentences are consecutive, so there's no chance of him getting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But yeah, that's uh, they're going to appeal the conviction because, of course, yep. but I don't know that there's going to be much there to overturn. And yeah, the even the jury only took a few hours to reach the uh, the verdict there. So it wasn't like a a very difficult case for them. Yeah, um, it wasn't. And I honestly have no idea about the case. This guy was, but hey, he killed his wife and his son, so he deserves a rotten jail. Um, yeah, yeah. And now for uh, stupid people doing stupid shit and getting continuing consequences. Um, the syndication company that was behind the publishing of Dilbert and all of its merchandise has dropped Scott Adams for good. Yeah. The uh, Andrews McMeal Universal is the company that's, you know, put the icing on top of the Scott Adams thing and basically dropped him completely, meaning all of his merch is done. Uh, I think uh, it's already been happening in a lot of newspapers where, you know, they don't have a new comic strip lined up. Uh, so uh, people have been posting pictures of, you know, the, the gray box mm-hmm. where his comic usually is. And be yeah. like, man, this is the funniest Dilbert strip in ages. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the whole thing. But don't worry too much for him because he's already signed up with some subscription service to let people put their money where their mouth is to. Uh, you know, own the libs by paying directly for uh, Dilbert to continue on. So, yeah, this is holding. I think it's <laughs> locals.com is the, the service there. I don't yeah. know anything about it, mm-hmm. but he has uh, already got things going there. I don't know what the cost is or anything because I didn't want to sign up for an account there just to see yeah. the prices, but. Yeah. He's still going in. He's even said some even stupider shit where he's like, well, obviously everyone agreed with me about the points I was making. So this is just pure cancel culture and all that. It's like, man. Well, because like any bigot, he secretly believes that secretly as bigoted as he is, just afraid to say it out loud. Yeah, they're just being pressured not to speak their truth. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, because yeah. most people don't think like this. No. Everybody else thinks you're an asshole, and they also and a lot of people in the the comics business have been like, "Man, why did it take so long for this?" Yeah, we've known this guy is like this. Yeah, understand, Scott Adams. This is not new. Scott Adams has been an asshole for a long, long time since at least the '90s. I think. Yeah, as far as his you know easily tracked history on this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So that's it. And now our last asshole of the week is the mayor of College Park, Maryland, who has been arrested on more than 50 counts of possession of child pornography. 50 counts means he had a lot of it. Yeah. I like the, uh, the title of this article is Maryland Mayor Resigns After Being yeah. Arrested. It's like, no, I think that's a requirement. 
mm-hmm. after being arrested like this. But oh yeah, yeah. Patrick Wojohn, uh, the mm-hmm. mayor of College Park, Maryland, resigned after authorities arrested him on 56 counts of child pornography related related charges. Uh, he's in custody at the Prince George's County Department of Corrections. Soon meet a commissioner who will make a determination on Wojohn's bond or whether he will be held or whether he will be released on pre-trial release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he... Let me see if they have... Uh, this is just about the uh, resignation letter, which is like, okay, it's not the most important thing here, but whatever. Uh, but, yeah, that's definitely a big deal. I have a mayor. Uh, yeah. One of the most important people in his city. Uh, mm-hmm. Having to go through all of this. I'm trying to see if... Yeah, they are having the mayor pro Tim Denise Mitchell mm-hmm. serve as presiding officer until a special election yeah. is held and a new mayor has been sworn in. Uh, it'll be within 65 days, so I guess by May. Mm-hmm. They will hopefully have a new mayor that uh, you know, isn't interested in child pornography. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, just reading this story makes me queasy. But, um, yeah, but fortunately, we d- it's not all bad news. We do have some good stories to talk about. Uh, we have our Heroes of the Week. And first, our first Hero of the Week is A24 Productions. They auctioned off dozens of props from their critically acclaimed movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, to raise over $555,000 for three different charities. Yeah. Uh, the Asian Mental Health Project, the Transgender uh-huh. Law Center, and the Laundry Workers yep. Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, they had a number of interesting props. Uh, I think the most popular one uh, was Rakakuni. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to explain it any further, but it's a, a little animatronic prop that I think sold for $90,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen any of the trailers, you've probably seen people with hot dog hands. Yep. Uh, that's uh, those hands uh, sold for $55,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, the, the crumpled colorful receipts that are a big part of the story sold for $7,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of that stuff. But yeah, let's see. Wayman's trusty leather fanny pack sold for $48,000. The auditor of the month trophy for $60,000. And I'm not going to explain that anymore uh, unless you know exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, that's a big part of the movie. And yeah, the, the rock with the googly eyes, which is probably the most meme part of the movie uh, is $13,200. And yeah, going to some great causes there. And uh, that's cool that they, they auction this stuff off instead of letting it, you know, rot in the warehouse, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, that happens yeah. to a lot of these movies. Like I think the, uh, one of the famous examples, the original suits from the, the first three TMNT movies. Yeah. All like rotted away. So they're yep. not even, they weren't preserved very well. Cause no. who gives a shit about these turtle costumes? Yeah, and then somebody got the bright idea to, sell them on ebay and they are the stuff of nightmares yeah yeah it's like if you see the the animatronics you know musicians at like the uh, yeah. sort of 
Chuck E. Cheese or Shady's Pizza or whatever. Yeah. Those are all uh, terrifying. Oh, yeah. That's the reason I can never play the Five Nights at Freddy's. Because I was legitimately terrified of things when I was a kid. And uh, I still am. <laughs> yeah, just watch the uh, the Nick Cage movie. Yeah. Essentially about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And now we got this other story. So, back in the 70s, there was this famous uh, advertising campaign that was based around this, uh, what they called the crying Indian. Basically, it was this, this, this guy who was supposed to be a Native American. He was, you know, going down a river in a canoe, and he's seeing all this litter and stuff, and, you know, the narrator's like, you know, some of, there are some people who very much care about the earth, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, some guy throws a bunch of trash onto the side of the road next to him, and then he turns to the, to the camera, and he has a little tear trickling down his eye. Uh, so fun fact, that guy, uh, the character was named Iron Eyes Cody, uh, and the actor was not Native American, Italian American. Yeah. He claimed to have, you know, Cherokee blood in him. Which, you know, okay, one thing or another, but funny enough, that's a weird call Hollywood, because, uh, basically in, like, all the old Western, they needed a bunch of, you know... Native American, you know, a bunch of Native American characters where they would hire like Italian or Jewish actors because they yeah. looked close enough, I guess. But yeah, with tan skin, yeah. But um, but uh, the rights to that PSA, that whole campaign, have now been transferred to an actual indigenous group. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the Native American advocacy group that was given the rights to the long-parodied public service announcement is retiring it, saying it's always been inappropriate. Uh, but yeah, they, the nonprofit that originally commissioned that uh, the advertisement, Keep America Beautiful, had long been considering how to retire the ad, announced this week that it's doing so by transferring ownership of the right to the National Congress of American Indians, uh, saying Keep America Beautiful wanted to be careful and deliberate about how we transition this iconic advertisement slash public service announcement to appropriate owners. We spoke to several indigenous people's organizations. We're pleased to identify the National Congress of American Indians as a potential t- caretaker. Uh, they plan to end the use of the ad and watch for any unauthorized use. So uh, if I can just say, you know, fuck this thing. We do not want it to... Uh, be used again and yeah it's a thing that's probably ultimately did good for uh, you know telling people like littering is a really big problem uh yeah. it still happens to a degree but yeah. the way they go about it you know pretty bad yeah uh just racism racism right there oh yeah um and finally, our last hero of the week is the family of Kobe Bryant. They have agreed to a $28.5 million settlement with the L.A. County over the cops and firefighters who ended up sharing pictures of the people that died in the helicopter crash that, of course, killed Kobe Bryant, which is yeah. just incredibly ghoulish. Yeah, him and his daughter as well as, yeah. I mean, keep in mind, the police of L.A. County Already are very infamous for their, shall we say, skewed morals. Um, yeah. They're infamous for the fact that they're probably the uh, the epicenter of police gangs in the United States. 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's just that's just awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a terrible thing. But yeah, they got thirteen point five million dollars from the county mm-hmm. and fifteen million. A federal jury awarded Vanessa Bryant at a trial in August. So. Uh, resolves any future claims by Bryant's three surviving daughters, uh, related issues pending in state court and other costs. A proposed settlement order, which a judge must approve, was filed Tuesday in federal court. So hopefully they can all put that behind them now. So yeah, hopefully, Cause, yeah. Because uh, when, when did when did that crash happen? That, uh, that was 2020. Like yeah, that's it's like that was like three years ago, and they were. Having to go through this shit for three years, damn. <laughs> yeah, that was like January before the pandemic. Yep, I remember because that was basically it was like wall to wall everything before COVID hit. So yeah, January twenty sixth, twenty twenty. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, with that, it is now time to move on to the proper show proper, and our first story that we've got you on the night is actually. Good news. Um, just real quick, Chris, do you have anybody in your family who suffers from diabetes? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have diabetes just out of care? No. Okay, good. Uh, but I guess you do have someone in your family. You did say you have someone in your family who does. Yeah. Of course, insulin is one of those things that um, it's, it's, it's tragic because the developed it and wanted to, to make it as cheap as you possibly could, so he never patented it. Which, of course, all the good that did, because all the and basically started selling it at extortionist rates. Well, Eli Lilly has cut the price of their insulin to cap it at $35 per month out of pocket. Yeah. Which is, like, I, I, I'm trying to remember, what was it originally? Because it was actually uh, much bigger. Yeah, it could cost over $1,000 for a year's worth of it, so a couple hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah, for for a a drug like this that was developed to be, you know, free. Yeah, to be as widespread and available. Um, But yeah, this... uh, um, yeah, because uh, yeah, keep in mind, like diabetes, there's different kinds of diabetes in different ways of developing it. There are a yeah. lot of diabetics; it's literally genetic. Like yeah. you know, and they still need the insulin. You know, so yeah. it's not it's not just a case of you know people need to stop eating so much. Yeah, but, it's um, yeah. They said uh, they're cutting the list price for its most commonly prescribed insulin, Humalog, and for another insulin, Humalin. By seventy percent in the fourth quarter, which starts in October. Yeah, uh, they didn't detail what the new prices would be, but uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, they also noted that uh, they are going to cut the price of its authorized generic version of Humalog to twenty five dollars a vial starting in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's also nice to see. Yeah. Did did they ever give a reason for why they decided to cut the cost like this? Was it like government intervention or something like that? Uh, I do not know, but I would imagine it was probably stock-based, because if you remember when Twitter got under Elon Musk's control, one of the first big impersonations was of Eli Lilly 
uh, saying that you know they're going to make all of their insulin free, and their yeah. stock dropped huge from that. Yep. Uh, and it's like that might have been the most effective shit post in internet history uh, mm-hmm. if it led to this directly. So I imagine this is like a a thing they're doing to uh, get themselves in people's you know good grace, I guess. Yeah, probably. Which is like if they keep to this for all future versions of it, that's cool. Because the thing you might not know is the insulin recipes that these companies use they change slightly so that that it will never mm-hmm. hit the the open markets. Yeah, that's why it can never. Why it's impossible to make like a because they yeah outside of the three big companies that do it. Yeah. But uh, speaking of medical stuff, Food and Drug Administration this week authorized the first at-home test for both COVID-19 and the flu. Yeah. It looks like a lot of the ones that you've done at-home COVID tests, it looks similar to that. Pretty much the same thing. Uh, Though it has a little machine for mixing up the the little mixer thing. uh, Yep. For that, but it goes on to, I think, a similar kind of... uh, little pad thing mm-hmm. to uh, show you two different uh, results. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the same for people 14 and older can generally perform the tests on themselves. Uh, those younger should have an adult help them. Uh, but yeah, it's a shallow nasal swab. The single use kit can provide results within 30 minutes, indicating whether a person is positive or negative for COVID, as well as influenza A and influenza B. Which are the two common strains of the flu? Uh, yeah, so that's cool. I don't know. Has there ever been like a flu test before, like this, without going into a doctor? Yeah, I think you before this, you actually did have to go to find out if you had it or not. Because I don't ever heard of that being a thing. Yeah, you just felt like shit, and you're like, "Oh shit, I just I gotta go you know, yeah. call off a work or school or whatever." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, uh, now for some not-so-good medicine. Walgreens has announced that they will not distribute abortion pills in states where GOP attorney generals have threatened them. Yeah, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, so if you remember the FDA earlier this year, maybe late last year, announced a big change to this thing uh, with the abortion pill. Uh, what's it called? My for- Prozen, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the pharmacy chains and such around the country would have to apply for, uh, you know, essentially a license to distribute the abortion bill. Yeah. And all these companies are still in the middle of doing that. But mm-hmm. in the process, you know, uh, nearly two dozen Republican state attorneys general wrote to Walgreens and every other. Uh, pharmacy chain in February threatening legal action if the company began distributing drugs uh, Mm -hmm. which have become the nation's most popular method for ending a pregnancy and it seems like Walgreens is the first to respond by you know basically saying you know we uh, let's see there's a currently there is currently complexity around this issue in Kansas and elsewhere uh basically saying that is not yet distributing the pills anywhere in the country. Yeah. It's working to obtain certification to do so in some states. They yeah. declined to say which. 
And yeah, this seems like just giving in to these people for mm-hmm. something that is not illegal to do at the moment. No, no, they're not. It's not illegal, especially it's, if they're not even distributing them yet. Yeah, especially because this is not like a person that you're getting at a clinic. This is literally just taking a pill, and the pill basically flushes out the egg. So, yeah. It's like it's it's not even close. It's not even relevant. Yeah, they sent this request to CVS, Albertsons, Rite Aid, Costco, Walmart, and Kroger as well. So yeah, none of those have responded yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Walgreens the first one to blink, and that's sort of the uh, big deal here, and kind of just shitty giving into these because uh, it's not just the attorneys general; it's the a lot of anti-abortion groups are threatening these companies as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, stand up for yourselves and your people. Yeah, seriously. And uh, next up in a I told you type story, uh, the U.S. intelligence concluded, have, community has concluded that Havana Sedrum wasn't caused by a foreign country. In fact, it was not really even a thing. Yeah. That it wasn't a foreign country that had some wild new weapon technology or something to cause this. And it's like, that seems extremely (laughs) unlikely that there wasn't some weird cyanic weapon or whatever that was causing this thing. Uh, Yeah. seems like some other shit and yeah, who knows, but most likely wasn't the, the thing of like, Oh, the Cubans have come up with this weapon. And it's like, no, no, not likely. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, that that was that whole story was so but <laughs> yeah. Um but uh yeah. So uh that 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 was never a thing. It didn't happen. It was just a couple dudes who I guess they just weren't used to the climate there. Yeah, I don't know. There's some 1500 cases, but who knows what that means. Yeah. Okay. And now uh moving on to less uh, over in Egypt, uh, the authorities o- that oversee Egyptian antiquities have revealed that they have discovered a newly sealed off, a, a discovered a sealed off chamber that was inside a pyramid. So this thing was basically, if, if you've never, if you've ever looked about like ancient Egypt in your history classes, one of the things you learn about like the tombs inside the pyramids is that they are specifically designed to be using in maze like they even have like false rooms and stuff built into them so the idea that yeah. they would find some, still be able to find something like this random sealed off room is totally totally in line with theology so yeah yeah because they they designed these pyramids so that they you know had people that could put the specific you know people in them yeah. then have a means for getting out Yep. Uh, that may not be the way that it came in. Yeah. Because they probably sealed that off and then had exits so that they could get out. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And, you know, those were, you know, four to 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, degradation and all that kind of stuff has happened. Uh, there are parts of those that are inaccessible as a result. So they use a lot of, uh, you know, technology, scanning technology, all that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm get a better view of what's in there that, you know, they couldn't do, you know, 
50, 60 years ago, really, as mm-hmm. accurately as they can now. Uh, but yeah, they found this corridor on the northern side of the Pyramid of Khufu. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was discovered using modern scanning technology, measures nearly 30 feet in length and is over six feet wide, perched above the main entrance of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do not know what the function was of this chamber, which is not accessible from the outside. Yeah. But yeah, they also found another one of these back in 2017. Yeah. Some one about 30 meters in length. Yeah. Uh, also inside the same pyramid. So. Yeah. Did they did they say like side of the room or was it a new chamber that they didn't know was there? I believe it was something they did not know was there. Okay. Yeah. All right. If I remember correctly, like they basically built these didn't they like build these things from like the inside out like they would build the tomb first and then they would like build the the pyramid or monument around it and that would seem like the way you would do it yeah that that seems logical so it's possible this chamber was sort of like it was like a lodging thing or something when they were building the tomb and or like it was just storage or something and once they no longer had to use it they just sealed it off yeah, but that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, anyway. So uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's really neat. Um, it's neat that they still find stuff there all these years later. Um, but uh, all right. Well, we're now uh, entertainment portion of the show, and uh, our first entertainment story is that Arnold Schwarzenegger has a new TV series that's going to be on Netflix. It's called Fubar. Which anybody knows what Fubar is? That's a uh, Soldiers speak for fucked up beyond all recognition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is his first TV show. He's never done mm-hmm. one of those before. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of a, a surprise. Uh, they do have like a little teaser trailer that's just literally him and like one of the other actors is like yep. giving him shit or something. Uh, but it's basically him being like, uh, I'm back. Mm. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a an action comedy thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, show what happens when a father and daughter discover their entire relationship was built on a lie, and that they are each CIA operatives. Mm-hmm. As the two join forces, the eight episode series will depict themes of family dynamics with humor, action, and of course spies. Uh, so, mm. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'll be out May twenty fifth on Netflix. So. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Netflix, uh, they've got a new coming out. It's actually very unique. It's a stop motion animated series, which I'm honestly surprised they had not done anything stop motion related for Pokemon until now. Because if any if any franchise can do uh, could is like just absolutely appropriate for stop motion animation, it's Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this looks like a neat show. It's uh, Pokemon Concierge, so it, it involves Haru, a concierge at a Pokemon resort, uh, and her interactions with Pokemon and their owners who visit as guests. Uh, yeah, they announced this during the, the Pokemon Day stream thing. Uh, but yeah, the teaser trailer doesn't really have too much to it. So there's sort of a sandy beach, mm-hmm. and a Psyduck comes walking through. Yep. Uh, as you do, and then Haru's in there, uh, yeah. young girl. So it looks like that could be fun. Yeah. 
And finally, uh, we've got a trio of trailers to talk about here. Uh, first, we got a teaser trailer for Haunted Mansion, which, of course, is Disney's second attempt to try and turn their haunts into a movie. Yeah. First one you may remember was the Eddie Murphy was black. But uh, yeah, they're giving it the old college try again. Yeah, they got uh, Justin Simeon directing this, mm-hmm. uh, who's done some good work in the past. Yeah. Uh, he did the Dear White People movie yeah. series, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, he has a lot of good talent here. Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jared Leto. So a bunch mm-hmm. of people in this. Oh yeah, uh, be out in theaters July twenty eighth. You know the spookiest time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mentioned that'll be in uh, or on Disney Plus by October at that point. So that's probably where I'll probably do best. Yeah, but this is sort of you know a kid friendly scary movie. Yeah, which can be done well. So yeah. maybe they'll pull it off this time. Who knows? <laughs> um. But we also got an official trailer for Peter Pan and Wendy, which, of course, means it's a Disney film based around Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so their attempt at doing a live-action movie around that Mm -hmm. uh, whole thing. And, yeah, they are doing this on Disney Plus April 28th. I believe it is a movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they are straying a bit away from... Uh, the original animated movie, but it's yeah. also based on the novel and all that. Yeah, by J.M. Barry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a a bit more diversity in it. I believe Tinkerbell is played by a black actress. So, yeah. As well as some of the Lost Boys or Girls. Yeah. And they're not all white and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it worked. Well, I mean, I was thinking, but. Or were you thinking of Hook? Yeah, I was thinking of Hook. <laughs> But, oh, yeah. um, yeah. Also, I, I noticed that the uh, comment section for that trailer is closed. I have no idea. I want to say Disney doesn't allow comments on any of their YouTube channel stuff. It's possible. I could um, be wrong. Yeah. But I guess they also just wanted to head them off at the pass because it's the internet and people are terrible. Yeah, Hunter Mansion has comments, so I guess not. Yeah. Probably for specific ones they know that's... It could go poorly. Yeah. Uh, and finally, last but not Netflix's Unstable, starring Rob Lowe. Yeah, this looks pretty neat. It's a new series with Rob Lowe where he plays a rich tech, uh, biotech entrepreneur who has sort of lost his sort of mojo for that stuff and tries to drag his son into it, who tries to not be like his dad. Uh, and so there's sort of a whole comedy thing to this that... Also pretty sure that his son is played by... It's actually his son. Yeah, John Owen Lowe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, that'll be out March 30th, so in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Roblo's finally starting to look uh, older. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember for a long time it, he just like did not age. Well, for like twenty years, he just he stayed the same age for like, twenty years, and then like in twenty twenty two he hit a wall. Yeah, though I think it's because he's not shaved in this. Oh yeah, that's also that. That probably helps. Also, he looks a tad darker than usual, which makes me think maybe he's been tanning. Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it makes him look a little leathery, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Though he's always kind of had that kind of look to him. Uh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I remember him in Community, where he's very much like a, a health nut, mm-hmm. who's just constantly doing exercise and trying to eat the... Uh, the absolute most healthy foods you can. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like, what? No, I'm going to get waffles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that is our show week, folks. And uh, yeah, we got ourselves a show. Um, managed to get one out there, even though I had some issues to deal with. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I would like to remind all of our listeners, you get a question, comment, or something you want to on the air, with us at Let's Weekers at um, that's Kinders right in the show notes. Also, on top of Apple Podcasts, we got our little bit of unscraped shenanigans that can be found at TuneIn, Google Play, RSS, archive.org, or any kind of podcast aggregator you can conceive of. And if we're not on there, just wait a few minutes. We will be on there, inevitably. It is unstoppable, and there is nothing you can do about it. <laughs> um, this is not a democracy. This is a dictator. Bow down before me, beauty listeners. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, if you enjoyed what you like, please do not hesitate to tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your enemies. Um, especially your mortal enemies, because they may hate you, but they may like us. And well, after that little transaction happens, don't care what happens to you. We're not the splash zone, so why should we? But uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and shut it off there, and see you all next week. Good night, everybody.